Thanks for checking out Rock Urban Podcast. We believe that God is on the move and that he uses the power of his word through preaching to speak life. We hope you're encouraged today by the message of Pastor Gary Peterson. It's almost impossible to imagine that God could love us so much that he sees beyond everything that we've done, that we've said, and we've played the fool so many times in our lives and, and knew that we deserved punishment and separation from God, but that's when he brought us closer. It's interesting every time you, you see that video, because it's a true story of a girl in Michigan who rebelled against her parents and moved to Detroit and got involved in prostitution and everything else and came to the end, much like the prodigal in the story today, and didn't know what to do but to turn back to those who loved her and and left a message on the answering machine and the, the parents more than greeted her. They greeted her with the entire family. The text this morning is found that's interesting in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32, I read for you this morning. And Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, forgive, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything there was, a severe famine in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. And so he got up, went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and was found. So they began to celebrate. Coming home to God is a celebration, there's no doubt. Coming home to the loving arms of a father who never left us and always had hope that we would come to our senses, and there he is waiting for us. Recently in reading Mark Patterson's latest book called Play the Man. It's about manliness and what's needed in today's world. As we look at culture in general, we see that most of the problems that we're experiencing exist because of the lack of fathers in the home. Single-parented families where kids just don't know what to do with their life, and so they run off in wildness. I actually wrote myself some notes this week that I think are very pertinent to our conversation today. 
not in the book. I'll share something from the book in a moment, but just some other notes that I came across that I thought were interesting. These are the five steps to a broken life. Dissatisfaction, disillusionment, desire, deception, and decision. Because once that whole thing starts to play itself out, you actually have to make a decision which direction you're going to go. When you let your desires get out of control, and I love what Batterson says in this book, Play the Man, he says that there are three major enemies against men and women in general. Doubt, apathy, and lust. And he says basically that every man will face these three strong enemies and have to determine what he's going to do with them. And the thing that probably stood out most to me in my reading this week in Batterson's book was this. He said that too many people are making their playground into a prison. Making your playground into a prison is something like this. You have been extremely blessed in life in general, but you take those things for granted. You have food on your table. You have a family that loves you. You have people around you that actually care about you. But at some point in life, things become dissatisfying to you. And so you decide that you're you're disillusioned with life in general and you need to make some changes. And that's when you allow your desire and your passions for things that are not godly to take over. Deception sets in and then you have to make a decision. What am I going to do with my life? Too many people have no purpose in life. They're just sailing along, doing their own thing, and not realizing that God has something better planned for them. A lot like the prodigal. We are living wastefully. Maybe not in the riotous living of the, of the prodigal mentioned in Luke, but certainly something close to that in simply leaving God out of all the things that we need him to be involved in. And so our playground that once seemed like something valuable to us is no longer valuable. That's not good enough. You find yourself coming into the room today dissatisfied with life in general. With your marriage, toe-hum, with your parents who just don't seem to care about you, and you are convinced that you need something more. Is everybody listening? Because I don't have to look very far to see that some aren't. Listen to me. I'm a Baptist-type preacher. You should know Baptist preachers just don't stand here. The reason why we're so in, in so much trouble is because we're not listening. Slow to speak, slow to wrath, and quick to listen is what God says. Because I might just have something to say today that could actually change, change your destiny for certain. Or you could be already on the, on the path to a broken life. Young people, sitting right in front of me, young people, are you on the path to a broken life? Dissatisfied, disillusioned full of desire for something different because you think that that thing out there is the answer to your needs. Not realizing that you literally, virtually right now live in a playground 
that you should be satisfied with. Life is good. This is good, right? This is good. All right, cult followers, please say it again. This is good. Isn't life good? No, pastor, I'm analyzing you right now. I don't know if I like you. I don't think pastors should play the keyboard and preach. No, seriously. Growing up in the Baptist church, our excuses are always, we always have some kind of excuse to not listen or not to stay the course. The Christian life is a long obedience in the same direction. And the, path, the problem with most of us is we were raised in homes where the parents didn't actually lovingly put down their foot and say, because, because I care about you, I'm going to tell you these things. You live in a playground. And some of you have made your playground into a prison. I read this also this week. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. The reason why our nation is in the trouble we're in is not somebody else's fault, it's our fault. It's my fault and your fault. The reason the nation is in the trouble it's in is because the church is in trouble. Because our, no, our churches no longer preach the gospel. It's all feel-good gospel message. That if you don't feel good about this, don't do it. Young people are so bored, you can't keep their attention for five minutes without doing flips on the stage. I've already lost several. I've been up here for 41 years doing this, and I know this for a fact. We need to teach our young people passion for God. Or they're going to become passionate about premarital sex, video games, garbage. It didn't just happen, moms and dads. It happened because they didn't see in us this satisfied love for God. Because we live in a playground of pure joy living in America. All you have to do is travel to another country and find out. It's not the same as here. What causes a young person to not be interested in what I'm saying right now even? Because I can't compare to your video games. I can't compare to your ungodly sexual behavior and habits. But those are only temporary. Three things about the character of God we should know. The wayward son reveals a side of God's character which most people don't know. You know what it is? His love. That's what it is. His love. That you are loved. Now, what's happening in culture so rapidly blows my mind that we are being taught that you should be able to experience love any way that you want to experience it. But that's not what God says. God says that love has to come through understanding him and his holiness. And then we won't have to worry about transgender bathrooms. And if we spoke the right thing at the church service and so we didn't offend somebody, it's political correctness everywhere you look. The woman who this week got in big trouble because she held Trump's bloody head up is now blaming Trump. He broke me. No, you were broken already, only not in the right way, lady. You were already broken. And if you speak that out in our culture, that's just mean. 
she's a woman. Are you against women? It's, it's so messed up. Most people today do not understand the character of God, and that is that God is love. But greater than his love is his holiness. There are boundaries that God has put around us as Christians. Number two, the Father's love does not depend on how good you are or what you do. Because all of us sin every day. Whether you like to admit it or not, you know that probably already this morning you have sinned in some way. Thank you, God, that you are so loving and so gracious and that it doesn't matter whether I sin or not because all of my sin is already forgiven once I have accepted what Christ did on the cross to atone for it. And lastly, the Father's love for us, it never changes. Never, never, ever, 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 ever changes. The prodigal son story is the, is the story that every single family should live out. No matter what your children do, you still love them. They are secure in this one thing, that even if they ultimately blow it, you still love them. The Baptist church doesn't believe that, obviously. They think that if you blow it, you need to repent and before the whole church and be kicked out and excommunicated and driven right into the world. That's not God. God says, your sin's all forgiven. By the way, do you know this, that homosexuals can go to heaven? Did you know that? Because if they've asked Christ to save them, they're saved no matter what. You can't get unsaved. We're driving them to that behavior. I want to see a few things this morning about the, the, the prodigal. His restlessness. <clears throat> when this man was 25 years old, his first book captured the hearts of his native land. Fame quickly went to his head. He drank immoderately and partied wildly, and in this state he did one thing after another that he knew was against God. The ruler of the country showed mercy and committed this, commuted this man's sentence for, for the crimes he committed to 10 years of hard labor. On Christmas Eve, 1849, Fyodor Dovskyowski was sent to Siberia like a man buried alive, he writes, with nails in the coffin. But Dovskyowski was also to learn that God would bring about good even in the hardness of a Siberian prison. On his arrival in the desolate region, two women slipped a New Testament into his hands when the officers' backs were turned. And they whispered, whispered in his ear, search it carefully at your leisure. Then in Siberia, this young man discovered the beauty of the parable of the prodigal son. It revealed to him the loving mercy of God no matter what you've done. And he said, one sees the truth more clearly when one is unhappy. It's pretty profound, actually. And I think Batterson tries to say that through all of, all, all of his books, he tries to get us to understand that we see God much more clearly when we're weak. When something has happened to make us realize that we do not deserve love. We have broken and violated God's laws. We've broken some of man's laws. And we don't deserve love. The young prodigal 
wanted what he wanted and he wanted it right now. Is that not characteristic of our day? Kids want what they want and they want it right now. And what we don't understand is that when we just give it to them, flippantly blowing it off because we, we don't want to deal with it, we teach them that I can have whatever I want. There were several things that the prodigal wanted. I listed a few. To get away from his father's control. To have everything he's always longed for. To be in charge of his life. To live where there are no rules and regulations. To party all the time and have complete freedom. That pretty much describes most of young people today. A person needs to remember that there will be plenty of friends as long as you have money. But you'll find out real quickly when the money runs out, as did the prodigal, that they're not true friends. They're only friends because of what they can get from you. And so you have to actually ask yourself this question, who are my real friends in life? Who are they? Who comes around when there's no money, when, when the car is broken and, and, when you, and you're sick and low? You know who it's supposed to be? It is supposed to be the church of Jesus Christ. No, let's go further than that. Who comes around when you finally decide that you need to deal with something in your life that you haven't wanted to tell anyone, but now it's time to deal with it? Let me just say this. The only ones that will understand are those that love God and have experienced it. He was in trouble. He was a foreigner in a strange land. He's now bankrupt. He has no friends that really care. He's lonesome, he's hungry, and he's sad. Now, after the, the video this morning, I looked and I saw many people wiping their eyes with tears. Because that's you. Because that's you. Because you have gone away from God at times and thought to yourself, how in the world is it possible that God could even take me back? Am I right? Am I right? How in the world could God ever take me back? The church certainly wouldn't understand and wouldn't empathize with me because I've done things that are so bad. And look at what it says in verses 11 and 12. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. The fall of the prodigal began the moment he claimed rights to his life. You understand that? His fall actually started the moment he decided that this was his playground was a pig pen. Now, I was raised on a farm, and I understand something about pigs because we always had at least 100. My brother and I used to play games with them, dress them up, <laughs> tie tin cans to their tail. Pigs are pesty, dirty, and like to rut. And no matter what we did to pen them in, they always managed to find a way out. Hmm. Pigs are pigs. Because no matter what you do, I could stand here and talk with people right in front of me. And they still won't get it because pigs are pigs are pigs. Yes, 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 yes. This is where it gets hot. You've already decided your destiny. And it came from your parents and your grandparents. And it's going to spread to your children unless you decide this morning 
I am done of being dissatisfied with living in the pig pen. I'm not going to rut my way out. I'm going to accept the grace of God and realize that my, my, my play area, my playground is amazing. I am totally satisfied. I find my joy in doing right, not doing wrong. Come on. Is that the truth or not? I find my joy in purity and holiness, not in dirtiness, not in sex, not in money. Because the minute all that gets old to you, your playground has become the pig pen of the century. God has very, very specific rules about our lives as Christians. We're to be holy. And you know what? He's not there waiting to whip you the minute you're not holy. He is waiting there the minute you realize you're not holy to experience the fact you can't be happy if you're not holy. Am I right? You can't be happy if you're not holy. When your pleasure becomes a pig pen, you lose your passion for God completely. It's It's sad. It's really, really, really sad to think that you have let doubt and fear and all these other things. Well, what if people really knew who I really was? God already knows who you are, and he loves you in spite of it, doesn't he? It's amazing. You're on the verge of self-destruction. I know some of you are. It's not because I'm a Baptist-type preacher. It's because... If I'm sensitive to the spirit of God at all, I understand this. Many that are in the room understand the grace of God because you've already blown it and he's been there for you. That's what makes you weep. Many others in the room are ready to whisper and talk and, and do the, the normal things that they do to excuse their behavior. They like the pig pen. There's poverty in the pig pen. Yes, there is. There's poverty in the pig pen. If, if you need to go further into the pig pen, go for it, and I will guarantee you will not be happy. In my previous church, the first youth pastor we had realized one day that he thought he was gay, and he came to tell the elder, top elder and myself this, and what we didn't know is that he already got a job at a, the biggest mega church in Granville. Was there for years and then went on to pastor his own church and married knowing that he shouldn't have married because he was gay. And a couple years ago, he finally admitted, I'm gay, and he left his wife and the kids that they had through in vitro fertilization. Does God still love him? Yes. 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 But is God going to stand by and let you think you're satisfied in your sin? Answer that question. No. You might have those tendencies, but you still have to obey God's word. Bottom line. Oh, none of us want to have the feeling that we're not loved and that we can't be fulfilled and that we can't do whatever we want to do. None of us want that feeling. We all want to do whatever we want to do. And what ultimately happens is God has to let you get all the way to the bottom where you're rutting like a pig, eating hog poop. 
I know because I fed our hogs all our scraps. They ate all the watermelon rinds. They ate all the corn cobs, the husk from the stuff. They ate everything. They ate dirt. It's not fun to be in the pig pen. But they're always trying to rut their way out. You want to get out of it, but you don't want to pay the price for getting out of it. And you know what the price is? Admit that what you're doing is wrong and say, I'm done. Yes, I'm done. Starting fresh right now. This second in this room, I don't need to walk in a, uh, down an aisle. I need to start fresh right now in this room and get out. Sometimes the worst thing God can do is to give you what you want. Because I've shared this many times. Sin will always take you further than you want to go. Keep you longer than you wanted to stay and cost you more than you wanted to pay. That's not trite. That's fact. You walked in here today by God's design. You didn't know what was coming. You thought of the music's nice. You had no idea that the power of the Holy Spirit could tell you, you need to change. You need to get out of the pig pen of selfishness. You need to change or your children are going to have your generational critical spirit. Oh, we only think that sin is adultery or pornography. But God says sin is to have a haughty attitude. God says that sin is thinking you're better than the person sitting next to you. You're not willing to give that over to God. It always costs you more than you wanted to pay. Why am I standing here today, and hopefully my brothers and sisters will listen to it, they're all married, have all had kids, and none of their kids know Jesus. I look on Facebook, they drop F-bombs, they hang out with people I don't even understand. And I hope my brother's watching this message. What happened? People, we need to be asking ourselves that question. What happened? We need to stop the generational garbage. Do you want it to stop? I honestly don't understand as a pastor. I, I look at families and I think, why has that kid gone wild and that one there and that one there and that one there and their kids' kids have gone wild? And I think to myself, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, you need to start praying right now that God will turn that whole thing around today, starting today, right now, in this room, today, right now. Get out of the pig pen. Your playground has become a pig pen and a prison. Trust me, when you're in the pig pen, you feel like you're in prison. Always. There's a second thing you need to see. He was rebellious. His rebellion, verses 13 through 16. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything. Do you know what is missing these days? Innocence. Innocence and virginity is missing in a culture gone wild. Kids now understand sex at such young ages and have seen things no one should be looking at. It's so messed. America is so messed up. I feel sorry for our president. Last week, the minute I mentioned even that we should support our president, a couple got up and walked out. 
I think, well, you're in the wrong church because we're going to say what we want to say as long as they'll let us say it. And even after they don't let us say it, we're still going to say it. You should know me better than that. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and to the Greek. I'm glad it came all the way to us. I am not an eloquent preacher, but I have been a pastor for 41 years, and I love preaching. I think preaching is done so that people will be transformed by the power of the gospel, by the power of God. Nothing else will work. Only the power of God can get you out of the pig pen. There's a lot of peace today. Playgrounds, pig pen, passion, power of God, there's a lot of peace. A can of peas. The prodigal's happiness was based on his circumstances. Isn't that so characteristic of us? How are you doing today? I really don't want to ask. I'm a little rough today. Thanks for asking, Pastor. But you know, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to put on a smile anyway. Yeah, you're an overcomer, all right. Everywhere you go, all you bring is doom because you don't understand there's power in Jesus' name. You can overcome any circumstances with the power of Jesus' name. Your circumstances are temporal and temporary, and God is permanent. Freedom became freedom to sin, and pleasures provided a false enchantment, maybe even a diluted justification. The prodigal saw freedom as freedom to sin. What we're teaching our children right now is you can be whoever you want to be. Really? Is that what we should teach our children? Or should we teach them that you should be what God designed you to be? You can have victory. You can be what God wants you to be because you will be a lot happier that way. Don't hinge your happiness on your circumstances. We can't enjoy the things money buys if we ignore the things money cannot buy. And Batterson says that through all of his books. The supernatural will happen when you do the natural. Moms and dads, listen to me. The supernatural cannot happen with your kids until you're buckling down to do the natural. What sin should be uncovered and exposed and given to God? What changes actually need to take place in my house so I'm out of the pig pen and I got passion again for God? Yeah, don't you? So, so, so few people that have that. Destitute, he was forced to do for a stranger what he refused to do for his own father. Isn't that weird? He wouldn't work for his father. But he was destitute, so he had to do it for a total stranger. I'm telling you, the principles of God's word always work. Do what you should do for God, and God will be the father that you need in your life to love you, and you will experience it and say, I don't even know what my feet want to start dancing. Right? Joy comes through purity. Happiness comes through purity. Sin promises freedom, but only brings slavery. It promises success, but it only brings failure. It promises life, but the wages of sin is death. Robert Robinson wrote a song years ago. 
He was saved through George Whitfield, who had a phenomenal ministry and brought so many people to Christ and so many children into or orphanages that he built. He was saved under George Whitfield's ministry. This man, Robert Robinson, wrote the song, Come Thou Fount. Well, my wife and I both have a degree in music, and I love the old hymns. We don't sing them at our church much because we're trying to reach the next generations too. But I love that song. When we were at, at Josiah's game yesterday, I actually sat singing it to myself. Robert Robinson wrote it. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing your praise. Streams of mercy never ceasing. What? Call for songs of loudest praise. Sing me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Streams of mercy never, what? Oh, there you got it, honey. I was just trying to see if you knew it. So the guy rebels. He writes a song, but for years he walks away from God. Forgetting totally what he was brought up in and what he knew to be right. Stay with me. What he knew about salvation, he walks away from God. One day he gets on a stagecoach. It's crowded. And the lady sitting right next to him is reading. She starts humming something and she says to him, Do you have any idea what this means? Prone to wonder, she said, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. He bursts into tears and says, I know what that means. I wrote that song. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Come on. God wants us to experience weakness and loneliness and sadness and emptiness and sometimes be allowed to go to the pig pen and to experience physical issues and financial issues and marital issues and children issues and sexuality issues and all kinds of things that you don't understand. So you'll need him because I'm prone to wonder. Prone to leave the God I love. Oh, God. God, when I'm wandering away from you and sometimes even going to the pig pen, you, how, how, how could you even still be there for me? Could you still love me, God? Thousand, thousand times over. Yes. The third thing, repentance, in verse 17 through 19. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of our father's hired men have food to spare? And here I'm starving. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. <clears throat> I wrote this to myself. We often meet our destiny on the road we take to avoid it. We often meet our destiny when we're walking down this road, avoiding God, 
pushing him back because we think we can't change and we meet our destiny on the road that we took to avoid it. So I'm a senior in Bible college and I don't have any money left. My parents didn't follow through and give me money like they said they would if I stayed. And so, and I've shared it many times, the dean of students came to my room. It was dark the night before I left. I had all my bags packed and everything. I mean, I, I was, I traveled for that school, but I ran out of money and the new rule was you must pay your bill current. I had no money. I was crying actually on my bed as if it were yesterday. I'll be 66 in a couple months and I was, what, 20? Face down in the dark room. I don't want to go home, God. My home is not a pleasant place. I don't want to go back there. I can't be in the pig pen. I need to be where it's safe. God, I need to be by you. I need to be where there's holiness, where there are holy people. I need to stay. God, please don't let me go. And I ended up having to go because the school said you have to leave. I wasn't home a couple days and I used some of my mom's laundry soap and she was furiously mad and kicked me out of the house. I had no money. I found an apartment in, in St. Paul, Minnesota for $105. And I took my beater of a car and I went there and a prostitute lived there prior to me. She had a calendar on the closet door with men's names on every night of the week. There was an old bed, a brass bed in the bedroom. There was a dirty old couch in there and I cried. And I cried. And I just cried all the time. I just said, God, I don't know what to do. I got a job working at Brigman, Brigman Ice Cream Parlor. We made food there, too. It was attached to a drugstore. I was the assistant manager there, and I worked many hours. I made $78 a week. And I ate as many meals as I could on my day off. I didn't have any food, and I'm not exaggerating. I had a quarter, and I went to the corner store and bought a, a box of macaroni and cheese. And I cried all the time. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. What are the next words? Take my heart. Take and seal it. Do you know, I mean, I've got to be honest with you. Do you know something, people? A great percentage of us think there's no way that God could have our heart. It's just too far gone. There's no way he could do that. God says, you don't know me. I love you. Finally, after a year of being away from God in school, I attempted suicide and it didn't work. And I, I've shared it many times. I was on our old country road going 90 miles an hour ready to kill myself and I passed the house where some people I knew were Christians. I'd never been in that house before. It was down a long driveway. It was Sunday, they were gone. I was crying because I didn't wanna live and I was parked out in, in this farmyard and looked over at the house and I thought, I'm just gonna go in there. What have I got to lose? I'm gonna die anyway. And time seemed to pass so quickly and the farm couple came home from church. We heard about you. I was weeping at the kitchen table. Like it was yesterday. Fell down. 
so farmer fell down on the floor right next to me. I know you guys have that place over there and you party all the time, but we've been praying for you. I know you don't know me, but we know of you. He said, I, I assure you, God wants you back. God doesn't want me. You're wrong, he said. You're wrong. He loves you. Many people that sit in the room are in the same boat that I'm in. You really didn't want the pig pen. You wanted freedom. You wanted love. You didn't realize you already had it. Because God does not forsake his own. He doesn't mess up. The man prayed with me. I resurrendered my life to God. I got in my car, went back to our farm. There was nobody around. They'd probably all laying somewhere drunk. I had all kinds of property there. I just took a piece of paper out of a tablet and wrote a note. You can have everything that's mine. I'm going back to God. Going back to God. You know what the sin is? The sin in our lives is believing that God doesn't care about us. The sin is thinking we are too far gone and we've blown it too bad that God can't handle us anymore. It's a dusty road sometimes. The dusty road in the pig pen, living in the pig pen, trying to figure out who you are and what's going on in your world. And God just says, I just want you back. I just love you. I want you back. He wants us to come to a point of A mark of true repentance is the prodigal's desire to be subject again to authority. He became lost when he claimed his rights. He was found when he surrendered them. One last thing I want you to see. In the next week, I'm going to talk about the other brother. There was restlessness. There was rebellion. There was repentance. And then there was amazing reconciliation. So he got up and went to his father. I love this part. But while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and was filled with such compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Is that not the video that we saw? If children could understand that there is no sin so great that their parents will not still love them, things would be different. Because it all boils down to a search and a quest for love. When we are so loved, it's unbelievable. It is so unbelievable. He ran to his son. He ran to him because he loved him so much he couldn't stand to see his son separated from him.
I want the praise band to come back because I want to sing to close before we go outside for our picnic. Because you know that you were a prodigal or have been a prodigal and been, been guilty at times of thinking God would not take you back. You're too dirty. You're too far gone. It's, there's just too much. And God says, stop that. I love you. That's what he says, isn't it? Let's stand to our feet. At Rock Urban, we hope that through our podcast, you will experience the grace and love of Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, please check out our website at therockmi.org.